Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Text line jumping as always. Keep them coming. 704-570-9610. A 704 number says, yeah, Wes. Players co-signing for a coach goes a long way. A lot of those New York Giants players love John Fox. And that's a good debate to have at, at some point about which Panthers coach, especially with all the love that Canales is getting, was the most kind of players coach you could say people love ron rivera no doubt about it no uh, doubt ron it, was great it's why i mean it was a soapbox i know molly was talking about this too all the time but like when you would have a change like that and david tepper comes in and david tepper tells you we need to change the culture like the culture really wasn't the problem at that point i understood why he fired ron rivera i get it the defense wasn't performing as well. This is when we go to David Tepper being the lead man behind changing to an odd man front, telling Ron Rivera what to do with his defense. But that culture was not compromised. And all those players were sad to see him go. And then you bring in Matt Rule? Yeah, man. They love Ron Rivera. That would be my answer. Yeah, and I was going to be, uh, Matt Rule was going to be my vote or uh, George Seifert. Yeah, both, both of those went so well. Frank Reich too. Frank Reich had a great relationship. Honestly, maybe with maybe with Bryce because Bryce really did feel bad about Frank Reich getting fired, mm-hmm. and he felt partly responsible maybe. But I, I feel like those guys had a good enough relationship. I don't think he had a great relationship with the coaches though. I think we can you know be pretty confident about that. All right, folks, a lot to talk about in a little bit of time. Let's go to the campus corner. All right, we talked about it to start the show off. The North Carolina Tar Heels, they go down at the hands of the Clemson Tigers. 80-76 to It's the second ever win on the road against the Tar Heels and also the highest-ranked opponent Clemson has beaten on the opponent's home court since January 21st, 1976, an 82-77 win at number two, Maryland. P.J. Hall, Spartanburg's finest, had 25 points, nine rebounds. Joe Girard had 21 points, connecting on five threes. He was hitting some daggers last night. Ian Shefflin also had a double-double, and Clemson finished with 14 assists and just five turnovers. And oh, that was goofy the thing. Shefflin. Both teams kind of <laughs> did not turn the ball over a ton. Uh, Carolina only had six turnovers on the evening. But they shot 36.9% from the floor. It's second lowest shooting percentage of the season. Uh, also, Armando Baycott, we talked about him. Double-double, 24 points, 13 rebounds. R.J. Davis, 22 points. He did pass Michael Jordan last night, though, for 15th in North Carolina scoring history with 1,794 points. The Tar Heels now move to 60-2 in Chapel Hill, including 29-2 in the Smith Center versus the Tigers. So when we look at this thing last night, what is the panic meter, if any, 
for the Tar Heels. Their lead has now been cut to a game. We talked about Virginia being hot on their trail. Duke is now, I believe, just a game back of them as well with another matchup against the Tar Heels. Does this ACC championship look like a foregone conclusion like it once did? No, it, it's not a foregone conclusion. And what's your panic meter, 1 to 10? It's not turned up a ton, but it's definitely turned up more than what it was against Georgia Tech. Okay. So you lose against Georgia Tech, fine. I didn't expect them to run the table in the ACC. I expected them to have one loss against Duke and then maybe another loss somewhere on the road. So probably two, maybe at most three. Now that can still happen as they just have two conference losses right now. It's definitely not a foregone conclusion. I would say I turn it up if it was at a zero, if we start at zero, right? I would say I turn it up to about, I don't know, maybe a three and a half, four. Like there three, I'll go three and three and a half. So for me, Cormac Ryan is this thing is starting to be a little bit of a trend for him, just not shooting well at all. You're talking about Boston College under 40% from the field. Wake Forest, Florida State, Georgia Tech, he was awful. Just a little bit above 40% against Duke when he goes 3 of 7. 1 of 10 last night. Cormac Ryan, he just needs to hit shot. I saw Fiddy on Twitter saying it too. He's right. Like At some point, he's got to hit open shots. And there were just too many times where it feels like the confidence is affecting some of those things. And if he doesn't hit and Harrison Ingram isn't hitting at least enough for you to win then you still just put so much on the shoulders of R.J. Davis out there on the perimeter. And they didn't allow R.J. Davis to get many lanes driving to the basket. They did a good job of closing up those driving lanes. And R.J. had to go to the floater. The floater wasn't working for him. If it wasn't some ridiculous three, then R.J. was not going to hit a basket for you. So I, it's it's a little worrisome. No tremble last night. I actually do think that's a decent-sized deal, especially out there on the perimeter. Elliot Cadeau, I'm with you. Not a great last three halves from Elliot Cadeau. I thought first half against Duke, he was actually good. Not second, and then this game, he wasn't. So, a couple perimeter players, Wes. I'm just turned up a little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. Well, the thing, too, that caught my eye about this, and my panic meter is right around where yours is, it's about a four. And so, when you look at this thing, Hubert Davis talked about after their game that teams are starting to be more physical with R.J. Davis. And I think that's going to be important going forward because is that the blueprint to slowing him down? And then you look at Elliot Cadeau, you're not getting enough offensively from him to offset that or to be enough of an offensive threat to help take some of the pressure off of RJ. When it comes to the perimeter right now, if you're not getting three-pointers from Harrison Ingram, you're not getting three-pointers from Cormac Ryan, and if Elliot Cadell can't give you enough production, it all falls on RJ. And eventually, that's going to weigh on him enough to where it's going to affect his play. And you don't want that to happen in the NCAA tournament when they come out there and it's all on him and he's getting no help and he just really has to depend on Armando uh, for other offense in the basketball game, which was pretty much the case last night. And so that's why I find this to be interesting and I thought that was interesting, Hubert Davis's assessment because RJ Davis isn't a big guy. When you look at him, he is not, you know, a 6'5", 6'6", two-guard or combo guard that can go in there and really just mix it up and impose his will. He's a guy that's going to play out on the perimeter. He's got the floater, like you said, and he will drive. He's got the heart to drive. But if you are continually physical with him, it can wear on him throughout the course I, I of the game. I, I, have, I don't worry as much about R.J. Davis with the other team being as physical with him like I because he's tough as hell. Like, R.J. has shown that throughout his college this career. True, that he's 7-22 last well, night. But I, I think it's because it's just tough shots. I, I don't think it's because R.J. is getting – like, the physicality, it bothers him just like 
think it would anybody. The physicality coming against R.J. Davis, what bothers me about it is that other guys have to step up, and they didn't. So if you're just going to force him to have to take these bad shots, which I have not loved the shot selection from him, from him the last few games, everybody else is going to have to hit those open looks. Cormac's not doing it. Cadeau can't shoot. Can you trust Trimble enough to do it from the outside enough? And those are the questions that you have. I, I don't I don't worry about Davis getting bothered by the physicality. I do worry a little bit about the shot selection and how others can also hit those open looks or not. All right, Fiddy, the floor is yours. Panic meter and everything else that we've discussed about this game. I, I think it's fair to say it's at a, a five, six. You can even go as high as a seven. What be- about an eight? Because um, an eight, <laughs> nine, Ooh, keep ten. Going. 11. All right, keeps going. Um, I mean, because it's two out of three. You'd been trending towards getting beaten by, by the time you lost the Georgia Tech game anyway, which made sense. It's hard to go on a long winning streak in college basketball. I did not think the fifth oldest team, a team that's got a 25-year-old, a 24-year-old, and a 22-year-old would look that bad last night. Like, I thought we were past that. I thought we had finally matured under Hubert Davis and effort wasn't going to be an issue. And at some point, man... Hubert's got to put guys on the bench for taking bad, stupid shots. Like, Cormac, you're one of ten from, from three. And I know that shooters shoot, and you got to shoot yourself out of a slump. But when you put the ball on the floor and you hit the mid-range shot, that should have been your telltale sign, quit jacking threes. And so it's it was pretty frustrating to watch. And it's not getting any easier. Like, Saturday, you're placing the same team that Clemson was. Except it's on the road. They need to win over you if they want to go dancing. You got to go to Virginia. You got to go to Duke. So it, it's 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 cause to be concerned, and I don't think winning an ACC regular season title is as much as a given as it was two weeks ago. All right, and so uh, also last night in other college basketball action, we talked about the Demon Deacons coming out, jumping on Georgia Tech early, despite only shooting 23% from the field from three. They get an 80-51 to 51 win. South Carolina beat Ole Miss 68 to 65. I sound like I'm doing score updates like I used to do back in the day. And then the Charlotte 49ers, like I said, they lost that game uh, by three points to South Florida on the road. But what was your biggest takeaway from the night as far as the local teams and what they were able to go out and do? I'm definitely going to go check in on the 49ers. That was a big game against an 8-1 and one team. I mean, b- besides talking North Carolina losing, right, as we move on from that, the next one for me is watching my alma mater just not execute well down the stretch. Igor Milicic just straight up airballing that three. That was a quick trigger. You had plenty of time left. In fact, you had so much time left. You fouled and then had enough time for a legit look. The next possession, and Igor decides to throw that thing up from distance while it was contested. Good defense by South Florida. But as the broadcaster pointed out last night, felt like there was room to drive. And Milicic is good at driving the basketball. Hit a really fun left-handed layup a little under scoop under the arm. That was fun to watch earlier. And I just didn't feel like they executed well going to Deshaun Jackson. And I felt like you should have done that a little more so. Lukai Patterson having the flagrant foul, trying to make something happen, and it just didn't go. Are you it, looking at them differently that, now? No, 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 no. I can't do that after sure. a game. But also a terrible turnover, too, out there near the half-court line. Wes, Charlotte lost this game, man. I Even South Florida 
could have pulled away a little bit earlier, but they missed a lot of free throws. They missed certainly a handful. It felt like Charlotte really lost this one. And usually I'm used to them coming back from 20 points down and actually winning in close stretches. They didn't do it last night. Yeah, they surrendered an 11-1 to run over the final 441 uh, of that basketball game. That was the second run, I think, too. I think South yeah. Florida went on like some 10-3 run. South Florida that. just kept kind of just chipping away, chipping away, then Charlotte would answer, then they chip away, chip away some more, and then just late in the game, man, they just caused that collapse. You're giving me some stank face over there, Fitty. Walker, I'm sorry, man. He said, what, 11-1 to run the last 440 of the game? Yeah, it was bad. That's when I turned in. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, by the time I got done doing Clemson post-game, I got to it. and no, this, uh, I'm this sure act- you were exhausted with all the yelling, cussing, throwing stuff, and, all and that. You were, and you were just as passionate watching my Niners, I'm sure. Well, I, I now, was, now I'll tell you what. The, the the pick and roll that they blew that gave South Florida the lead. You're talking about Milicic missing the three? or No, the pick and roll. Remember, they, they you're up 68 or 69-68. Okay. They run a ball screen. No one switches. Easy lay. Forget. I lost my mind on that because I was like, Whoa, that's pretty bad defense in that moment. But oh, 441, Jackson was late. I yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. But 441, yeah. that's when I turned I turned the game on. So this might be on me. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you said that because I actually felt bad about this tuning in when I did. I was like, man, we just had Mike Hill on too after we talked about all of the good things happening with this program. But I'm glad that it was actually specifically you and not the entire show because <laughs> they went on that poor run once you tuned in. Yeah, man. And so uh, obviously my takeaway too, I enjoyed all of the games last night. But wake, man, I'm excited to see if they continue to play this way on the road. They've got some really important basketball games coming up, but two and five on the road. But that that performance last night, I just loved what I saw as far as the intensity and the way that they attacked this basketball game. Obviously, with that huge start to the game, they outscored Georgia Tech by 26 in the first half. And so I just thought that you got a total team effort. And the thing I was most excited about was the 17 assists to eight turnovers. Because if this team shares the basketball and plays a free-flowing offense and not just your turn, my turn type of basketball that I've been complaining about, I feel like that this team uh, can make some moves.